we would uh, we'd like to take our turn our attention to the Word of the Lord at this time, and I'd like to uh, I'd like to take my main thought. It's going to come out of the 18th chapter of Matthew, but before I I go there, I want to actually start in the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And I want to read a couple verses out of the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Starting in the 6th verse, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I'd like to stop with that and and, and, and let that be the background, so to speak, for, uh, for our... Uh, our, my sermon this morning, and I would uh, like to shift gears now and go over to the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew, and this is going to be the bulk of our reading today. Um, and uh, I'm going to start in the 21st verse. Um, it says, And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I used that verse several times last week, and I just I couldn't let it just wouldn't let go of me, and I felt like we needed to visit it again. But not until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. Before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went out and cast him into the prison, or cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, 
even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him and delivered him to the to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. I'd like to stop right there. And um, and of course, you know, we're talking here about forgiveness. And I'd like to I'd like to title my message uh, the absolute necessity of a forgiving heart. And uh, and that's something that as as the Lord's children, as as those who have been born again, not by the will of flesh, nor by the uh, nor by the will of man, but by the word of God, those that have been saved uh, by the grace of God, uh, we uh, that is a commandment that we have, and uh, and so we we find ourselves here uh, in uh, in the 18th chapter of in the 18th chapter of Matthew, and and, and Jesus is giving a discourse really over. It's going to be over offenses, uh, but then it's going to bleed over into actually um, disciplinary uh, uh, type things. Um, but I believe that this is a specific uh, address to some disciplinary things. Then, so that he can under, then that the, the apostles can understand what he's teaching in a in an earthly context. He uses an earthly scenario, doesn't he? And so, uh, and so. Uh, we're going to end with, with Peter's question there and, and with Jesus' answer. But here in this parable he teaches us, he says there's a certain, there is a, a therefore is the kingdom of heaven, uh, and that kingdom of heaven is a, a it's a moral kingdom, uh, and it's a kingdom which is founded upon grace. Uh, and, uh, and that grace uh, is, is how we are saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Uh, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it's a kingdom of grace. And, uh, and so we see here uh, that this kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king. Uh, and now we can look at this and say it's likened to the Father uh, as the king because of the way it ends in the 35th verse. But I believe Jesus is using... A natural earthly uh, a scenario to expound upon uh, a spiritual scenario that'll take place, uh, and so I believe it's a it's an earthly king. It's a man. Uh, as a matter of fact, the word that's uh, translated as certain, uh, it, it, if you go into look at it, it means a certain man. Uh, so a certain man that's king, and so uh, uh, and he's and he's not taking account of everybody. Uh, this is a mistake that's made. He's not taking account of everybody. He's taking account of, of his servants. Of his servants. He sits down and he begins to reckon. Now what that means is he's... I, I sit down and I reckon with dealers all the time whenever I go and I count their inventory. I'll sit down and and, uh, and, and we'll start reckoning out uh, the count and make sure that everything's accounted for and that everything is paid. Uh, and that everything is even, and uh, and that everything is remitted, and everything is reconciled, and that's what he's in the process of doing. That's what he's in the process of doing here. But there was one that was brought unto him, which had a very large debt. 
Now, I'd like to use this as in the example of using this as God as the Heavenly Father because and as that pertains to those of us that are unsaved, we got a debt that can't be paid, don't we? Just like this man did, he had a debt of 10,000 talents, uh, and when the, and when his Lord asked him, uh, to pay that debt, uh, he couldn't pay it, so he had commanded the man, his wife, his children, and everything he owned to be sold that he may pay the debt. That man is a bankrupt man, isn't he? When you can't pay your debts, you're bankrupt. And this man is a bankrupt man. He's taken out, te- he's taken on tons of debt. And, and in today's society, I'm afraid, in all too many cases, debt's kind of viewed as a virtue. It's just a natural part of things. It's just something that you have to have. Uh, but we know by studying the Word of God that uh, that if any man's a debtor, then he's a, a slave. Uh, to the lender, right? The borrower is the slave to the lender. And so here this man finds himself in that scenario. He's a bondservant. And his debt's been called. Now I'm familiar with that. I've never experienced it. But in my job, I've, I've had to do things where I said, well, it's, it, we're going to have to call it due. Because they've sold all the inventory and they haven't paid it. And it's time to pay the piper, so to speak. There's the old saying in the world, I'm going to rob from Peter and I'm going to pay Paul. Well, eventually Peter's going to come and going to want his, what's his, isn't he? Well, let me tell you something. As it pertains to God, as it pertains to your salvation, you can't rob from Peter and pay Paul because the payment that you would give him would be unsatisfactory. Uh, anything that you do in this world is not sufficient to pay that debt. Uh, Jesus is uh, the only one who was sufficient to pay that debt. Uh, and the Bible teaches us and tells us plainly that that's the case. Uh, I want to turn over and use a verse of Scripture out of uh, 1 Corinthians. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. Uh, For ye are bought with a price. Uh, and so most of us think that having been saved, that we're our own and we're free to do what we want to do. Uh, but in the, in the preceding verse, in the 19th verse of the 6th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, uh, For ye are bought, or he says, that ye are not your own. Then he follows that up and says, Because ye are bought with a price, uh, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Most of us think, Oh, I got saved. I'm, I'm free. And this is a teaching that goes directly against and directly in contrast that that after we're saved, that we can just live our lives however we see fit. No, no, no. Uh, quite to the contrary, because we're not our own after we've been saved. Uh, so we have a dip, we have a new king, don't we? Uh, we have a king uh, whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when we revert back to the old ways, uh, and we're not holding to the ways of the new king uh, that we are uh, expected to answer to, uh, then in those moments and times, we cease being his servant, don't we? But he still paid for us. But we're not, we're not doing what he called us to do. That's the case that we have here. We have a servant of this king uh, who, uh, who has a debt that he can't pay. Uh, 
Just like a person that's lost has a debt that they can't pay. Because the only sufficient uh, remedy for the debt of, for the debt of sin uh, is, is that of blood. Uh, but the blood of bulls and goats is not sufficient to remove sin. Uh, the precious, unspotted blood of Christ, though, however, is. Uh, that's the only suitable remedy for man's sin. Uh, and so we see here uh, that this man, uh, unable to pay, he, he does exactly what everybody in this scenario would do. Uh, he falls down at the feet of his king, uh, at the feet of the king, and, and he starts to beg, doesn't he? Uh, now, if you're here today and you've lost and you've never been saved, you've got to become a beggar before you can become rich, don't you? There's a lot of people in this world who will get born into a position of affluence. Folks, that's an illusion. Because that, that wealth that they may have throughout the course of this life, they get, they're not taking that wealth with them. Uh, they're more bankrupt than anybody else if that's all they've got to hold on to. Uh, we know we, uh, we read about the instance of the rich young ruler. Uh, and you have the rich young ruler who, uh, uh, who, uh, who came to the Lord and said, I've kept all the commandments from my youth up, and what lack I that I might have everlasting life? And Jesus looked at him and he said, Go and sell all that you have, and come and follow me, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And the rich young ruler proved himself to be a liar, didn't he? Because he, he valued the possessions that he had more than he valued a right relationship with God. And, and he went away sorrowful because the Bible tells us that he had great possessions uh, and he didn't want to part with those things. Uh, they, those were the idols of his heart uh, and he was more uh, beholden to those idols than he was uh, to the simple request that Jesus made. And we can look at it and say, well, that wasn't a simple request because he asked him to sell everything he had. Folks, Jesus never had anything in the world. And he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords in the time of his sojourning. So that servant falls down at the feet of the king and he begs the king to forgive his debt. And the, and the king is moved with compassion, so that the Bible, so the Bible says, uh, and then, uh, and then he forgives that man his debt. Uh, now, Jesus, uh, uh, uses the, uh, that, that analogy quite a lot in the, in, in terms of debt being forgiven. Uh, and, uh, and he says that those that owe the most are those that are forgiven the most. And so, this man was forgiven a great debt. Uh, and, uh, and he was set forth on his way. Uh, he would have had his wife restored to him. He would have had his kids restored to him. Everything he owned, he got to leave with it. He didn't give up anything. He had his debt forgiven. But he still had the he still had had made the promise in his mind that I'll come back and I'll pay you everything that you owe. But after that, he said, "Your debt is forgiven." And so he didn't owe anything anymore. He'd been granted a pardon, hadn't he? He should have had a heart of gratitude. He should have had a heart of mercy. He should have had a heart that would have known grace. 
because he'd had grace shown at him. But that's not what we see happened, is it? Instead, Jesus is using this, this parable to expound upon the teachings that happened earlier in the 18th chapter. We're going to touch on just a few of those right here at this moment. Uh, Jesus using a little child as an example, right? Using a little child as an example. He says, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoso shall receive me, uh, or shall receive such little child in my name, receiveth me. Now he's not talking about a little child through the whole time. He's using the little child that was brought to him as an example of a new believer. Somebody who's just been saved. They're a babe in Christ. Uh, Just the same as Jackson is a baby here right now. Uh, A new person that gets saved. They are a baby in the same manner. Uh, They're a a little child. Uh, And so you have this little child brought for you. You receive that little child in 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 my name. It says you not only receive that little child. Jesus said you receive me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones uh, that is a new convert that's a new convert or somebody who hasn't grown in, 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 in grace and in knowledge of the truth somebody who's still feasting on milk and hasn't graduated to meat He says, for that man, it's better that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Now we see this man who goes out after being pardoned and he goes out and he finds somebody who owes him a debt. Now he should have a heart of compassion, shouldn't he? Because compassion has been granted him. He should know it firsthand. He's had a, he should have a heart of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness, a, a heart of mercy, uh, a heart of grace. Uh, and all these things. He's been shown all these things. And remember, the kingdom of heaven is a moral kingdom and it's built upon a foundation of grace in Christ, our, in Jesus Christ our Lord, because Jesus is the foundation of the kingdom. Kingdom. He's also the head of the kingdom, uh, the church, uh, and he's the only lawgiver. And, and so when he says it, we have to do it. Uh, and so we see here where he says uh, uh, that uh, that he uh, he finds somebody, uh, and uh, and and after he had had his, he says, so he goes out, he goes out, and he finds somebody who uh, has a smaller debt. And that man fell down at his feet. And he made the same plea that that man made when he was before the king. When he was before the king, He said, Lord, in the 26th verse, he said, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. 
in the 29th verse, his fellow servant says to him, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. He made the same request. But he's going to prove that he doesn't have a heart of compassion. He's going to prove that he doesn't have a heart of grace. He's going to prove that he doesn't have a heart of mercy. Uh, he doesn't have any of those things. Uh, they don't lodge within his being uh, because he doesn't do the things that would perform and, and show that he really has it. And I really want to say today, a lot of times, in the, in the realm of Christendom today, you have a lot of people who like to say that they are children of God. But if you weigh the actions and the measures of their life, it will manifestly testify to the fact that they are not because we are saved unto good works. We're not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works because those works are what manifestly declare to the world that we are different, that we have uh, been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. That is what it is that shows people. We oftentimes want to get bogged down in words, don't we? But folks, actions, as the old saying goes, actions speak louder than words ever could. I bet if we asked this man in a private setting if he was compassionate, he would have said, yes, I'm compassionate. If we would have asked him if he was merciful, he would have said, yes, I'm merciful. If we would have asked him if he knew what grace was, he would have said, I know what grace is. He would have said, I've experienced it. But that's not what happened. Because in the 30th verse it says that he would not. In other words, he would not hear the cry of his fellow servant. That was the same cry that he made to the king. He wouldn't hear of it. And instead, he took him and he grabbed him by the throat. Now, I used to have a co-worker of mine who went to a, uh, a business uh, down in uh, a rural part of Tennessee. Uh, and, uh, and he experienced that happen to him one time. Um, because they had already repossessed his business and did not tell him. And so he went in to check his inventory that wasn't there. Uh, and that man was very wroth when he showed up, needless to say. Uh, and so uh, it was a dicey situation. Uh, and so he, he, he grabbed him by the throat and, and he uh, threatened him. And that's the same thing that happened. He got in trouble with the law too, by the way. I want to make sure that that's clear. He got in a lot of trouble. But... Uh, but that's the same thing that happened here. Uh, this man, uh, he is very wroth. He takes this guy, he grabs him by the throat, and then he takes him and he has him cast into prison until he can pay me. What's the only problem with that? How much money is he going to earn in prison? He ain't going to earn a thing in prison, is he? He can't pay you back in prison. Can't happen. All of his other fellow servants saw that. They knew what had happened to him because no doubt he, he had spoken of it. 
And then he found himself back before the king, didn't he? He found himself back before the king, and he has himself referred to as a wicked servant. O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Uh, folks, if we, uh, if we get saved, um, we have to prove it, don't we? Not with, not with words, but with how we live our life. The conversation of our being is not words, it is our conduct. And whether it is moral or immoral, he behaved immorally, and so he was found. He's still bankrupt, by the way. He just had his debt forgiven. And so you can see here that if you if you have had a great debt forgiven, and the and the and the sin debt that we all bear, uh, that is that is left over from Adam, is so great that the price of it, the price of it, what well, brother, uh, we read uh, we read about it this morning, didn't we? In First Peter, in First Peter chapter six, uh, I think it was First Peter. No, First Peter chapter one. Well, not First Peter chapter six doesn't exist, but First Peter chapter one we read about that, um, and it says, "For as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold." That's what he would have paid for his debt with silver and gold um, and, and from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who early was foreordained from the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for you that precious blood of Christ that's the only thing that can pay the debt that we owe and so we see here having been having had that debt paid for us Jesus Christ made himself a surety for us in the fact that he told God the Father God the Son telling God the Father God the Son telling the justice of God uh, that I will be a surety for the sins of mankind. Uh, and mercy will be shown toward them. And, and so it is absolutely necessary for those of us that's been saved, uh, and especially when we live in hard times. Uh, we live in a day and an age where it's really easy to justify not being merciful, isn't it? You know, in those times, it is even more important that, uh, that we demonstrate mercy toward those that would wrong us. And it's that backdrop. It's that backdrop that Christ gets into the offense of the little ones. And he warns about stumbling blocks. And he, war and he talks about how uh, that... Uh, uh, that uh, the uh, the shepherd will leave the ninety and nine and go off and in search go off in search of the one uh, sheep that has gone astray uh, and he will rejoice when he finds him uh, and he gets into discipline and he talks about the uh, and this is where we want to really focus on because this is what really preempted uh, Peter's question it's what provoked Peter's question he says moreover if thy brother shall trespass against thee go and tell him his fault between him and thee alone and if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 
But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall reject to hear them, then he tell it unto the church. But if the church neglect, but if he neglect the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen and a publican. Verily I say unto you that whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That last verse, I actually like the way John uh, states it. I believe it's John. Uh, If we go over to his gospel uh, uh, account and and we read, uh, he says that uh, he refers to that more as remittance. Uh, he says, "Thou that 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 which thou remit on earth will be remitted in heaven, uh, and that which you don't remit will be will not be remitted." And so uh, uh, that's talking about forgiveness. Church discipline exists for, for the purpose of forgiveness, doesn't it? That's the purpose of it. It's not that it's not that the offense be made uh, to such a degree uh, that uh, that. We rejoice in the offense. We don't rejoice in the offense. We rejoice in the mercy and the forgiveness. The offense has to be shown. Why? Why does the offense have to be shown? He says this in the 19th verse. He says, And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything as they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. It's so that we're united as a body, isn't it? Jesus is found when two or three are present and they're united together. Right? Amos asks the question. I believe it's Amos that asks the question. He says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You know why so many of our, you know why so many churches are in such shambles today, I believe? It's because we like our thoughts, don't we? And we like our ways. But what did Isaiah say? He said, Thus saith the Lord, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He said the same thing in the Antediluvian day. My spirit shall not always strive with man, uh, for my ways are higher than their ways, and my thoughts higher than their thoughts. Uh, And so we have to really submit ourselves to the Lord, don't we? We have to submit ourselves to the Lord. Now, that, a lot of people want to take this verse of Scripture and, and they want to use it and say this is how you, uh, how you use discipline in every instance. That's not the case. That's when a one brother has insulted another brother uh, and they go and they try to settle it amicably. But the other won't hear. Then he, then he gets a couple more involved. And then he won't hear. And then you get the church involved. And if he won't, if he's so abstinent that he won't acknowledge that he's wronged, uh, or, 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 uh, maybe said something or done something wrong, uh, to his brother, if he's so obstinate in that manner, the Lord says, let him be a, a heathen and a publican. It's not for the destruction of the church. It's so that the church is united. That you look at your brother and you say, I love my brother. But we have, a, we have an air about us today, don't we? Oh, 
I have my private life. <laughs> I have my private life, and you can't interfere in it. Paul wrote, Paul wrote in the first Corinthian letter. In the fifth chapter, he said, It's commonly reported among, that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And, and then listen to this. So that's the, that they were tolerating that in the church there at Corinth. And he says this, and this is the, this is, this is the attitude of the man who won't hear the, the one who is offended. And he won't hear the, the two or three other brethren that have come with him. Uh, and he won't hear the whole church even. And Paul sums it up so briefly and so nicely right here as to why that's the case. Paul says, and you're puffed up and have not rather mourned. Folks, it's a sad thing whenever something happens in the church of God. Uh, and it isn't to the glory of God. And we should really view it that way. We should view it as a, as, as that, uh, as, as a sad thing. God would have us to be unified. And, and here's where I say that the, 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 the offense has to be addressed. And this is where Peter says, But Lord, how many times do I have to forgive them? How oft shall my brother sin against me? And we don't really consider that a sin, do we, oftentimes, when somebody says something or does something against us. We don't think of it that way. He says, and, and I shall forgive him. Till seven times. Nope, until seventy times seven. Until seventy times seven. Deuteronomy 1.17 says this, it says, Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. We need to remember who the judge is, don't we? Right? We're not the judge. God is the judge. The judgment is God's. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. And he's judging here. He's telling us what we should do. And the case that is too hard for you, bring it unto me and I will hear it. That's in the first chapter of Deuteronomy. I want to close with this, uh, with touching back into the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah. It starts out and it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price, because what God's offering you, you can't afford it. You have to have it given to you. It has to be a gift. But it has to produce a change, doesn't it? It has to produce a change. 
It also has to produce a change in this manner that you recognize that from going forward, I can't live life just by the way mom and dad, the examples that they put forth because they may not be right, but instead I am to take this word that God has given, read it, apply it to my life, and make it so that I can let my light shine that men may see my good works and inquire of them and that a door may be opened and that they may testify of the greatness and the glory and the power of God. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he'll have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You have a debt that you can't pay. Those of us that's been saved, we had a debt that we couldn't pay, but God paid it for us, didn't he? There may be somebody here today that has a debt that they can't pay. Let those of us that have experienced that pave the way for them that they may have their debts paid. And let mercy reign. Let mercy reign in the house of God. That's all I've got for this morning. I hope it's a blessing to you. Um, Let's remember the, the time of year we're in. Uh, Jesus, when he came into this world, he did not come to condemn the world because the world was condemned already. He came to save the world. And let's remember that as we stand and sing. Brother Williams.